It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather and he who controls the weather will control the world. In lockstep to the wars and the rumors of wars, the power structure matrix media push to normalize climate engineering operations is being ramped up. New from Time Magazine, quote, we need geoengineering to stop out of control warming, warns climate scientist James Hansen. Time Magazine then states this, a new warning, scientists are underestimating how fast the planet is warming and the crisis will have to be met in part with geoengineering. The Time Report then says this, aerosols in the atmosphere have the effect of reflecting sunlight, but they are also hazardous to human health. Who would have thought? The Time Report then says, humanity made a Faustian bargain by offsetting a substantial but uncertain fraction of greenhouse gas warming with aerosol cooling. That's a statement from James Hansen, and yet Hansen says we need more. Again, this is from Time Magazine and perhaps the most well-known so-called climate scientist in the world, James Hansen, who is clearly clueless or lying in regard to climate engineering operations. It has been said that the greatest enemy of knowledge isn't ignorance. It is the illusion of knowledge. No, climate intervention operations aren't just a proposal. They're a shockingly obvious and lab test proven reality. And after 75 years of these covert operations on top of industrialized, militarized, societal destruction, I ask this, how's our planet doing so far? Given the fact that we now face mathematically certain extremely near-term planetary omnicide, short of a complete course correction, which doesn't seem likely at this point. In regard to the atmospheric aerosols mentioned in the Time Magazine report, aerosols that are migrating down through our breathable air column, tens of millions of tons of them globally on an annual basis, which is an extrapolation from precipitation testing. It's not a guess, not a theory, not just hypothesis. They're not just harmful to human health. They're harmful to all life forms, no exceptions, aquatic and terrestrial. Aluminum nanoparticles are a primary element in climate engineering patents and have shown up in almost every single lab test of precipitation from all over the world for decades. Again, in extraordinarily high amounts. When I first tested over my forest home in Northern California, the first rain test in which I did not want to find these elements because I did not want to face this fight for the last 20 plus years of my life because I knew if I found these elements, I would have no choice but to engage in this incredibly long and arduous battle. In my first lab test, I found seven parts per billion of aluminum. And over the next 18 months, in subsequent lab tests of precipitation over Northern California and the east side of Lake Shasta, the aluminum levels skyrocketed to 3,450 parts per billion in a single rain event. That's extraordinarily toxic rain. How many in the ranks of the so-called science community adamantly claim that they know for certain that climate engineering operations are just a dangerous proposal, nothing more. While above our heads, all the while, 
geoengineering operations that have been fully deployed for over 75 years and continually ramped up all along the way are filling our skies with sun blocking, precipitation disrupting, biosphere contaminating, lung clogging filth. And yet the so-called experts in their matrix media mouthpieces tell us it isn't so. They tell us what we're seeing in our skies, often again filthy white crisscross with sprayed dispersion lines, isn't actually there. We aren't actually seeing what we're seeing, they say. It's a matter of historical record that the U.S. military weather warfare operations in Vietnam were extremely effective at disrupting the hydrological cycle, thus creating constant flooding, so effective that once the conflict in Vietnam was over, international treaties were implemented to forbid weather warfare. Not that any nation pays attention to the environmental modification treaties. They don't. They couldn't care less. Climate engineering operations can be used to inflict devastating droughts as well on any and all that have resources the Western military industrial complex and the empire that represents it wants, or on nations that don't comply with the dictates of the empire. Stop and think about it for a minute. There isn't 800 U.S. military bases around the world for no reason. Countries don't just open the door and invite us in. When they're covertly droughted out, when the governments of those countries are brought to their knees, and many of those governments certainly know what's going on, but they're not at liberty to say so unless they want to not live very much longer. But this has been happening in Africa for decades. Countries are droughted out, brought to their knees, and then allow U.S. occupation. Climate engineering, the crown jewel weapon of the military-industrial complex. Climate intervention operations are even more effective at creating devastating droughts than they are at creating devastating deluges, though both are hallmarks of climate intervention operations. With that in mind, this new report, read between the lines, from the UK Guardian, human-caused heating behind extreme droughts in Syria, Iraq, and Iran, study finds. The report says, millions of people's lives wrecked by droughts that used to happen once every 250 years, but now are expected once a decade. In fact, they never really end. Just like the drought in California that we are told is officially over. Couldn't be further from the truth. Trees are dying faster now than ever. I'll, I'll get to that more later in this broadcast. But continuing, extreme droughts that have wrecked the lives of millions of people in Syria, Iraq, and Iran since 2020, it's been happening far before that as well, would not have happened without human-caused global heating, a study has found. They continue... The study also found that existing vulnerability from years of war and political instability had reduced people's ability to cope with the drought, turning it into a humanitarian disaster. Much of that is the U.S. military spreading freedom and democracy around the globe and leaving behind absolute wastelands like the depleted uranium in Iraq. How many people know about that? The depleted uranium munitions used in Iraq, much like the Agent Orange in Vietnam, has left... Iraq, regions of Iraq, contaminated virtually forever. U.S. munitions that have a radioactive half-life of four and a half billion years with a B. There's your freedom and democracy. In fact, if you read in-depth reports on births in Iraq, they state that many mothers don't ask if it's a boy or a girl. They ask if it's deformed or not. That's the legacy the U.S. military is leaving behind, and Americans have no clue about any of this. I brought a former U.S. Marine medic from a family of 
military personnel to do a presentation on depleted uranium and what it's doing not only to civilians in various parts of the world, but to our own troops. And how many pretend patriots in the Reading area showed up to hear what Dennis Kine had to say? Almost none. So much for patriotism. Forgive me, I digress. There is much to feel angst over in the last 20 years of marching in this battle to try to expose the insanity on so many fronts. But back to the protracted, devastating droughts in Iraq, Syria, and Iran. Consider and remember, there can be no legitimate discussion of climate anything from any perspective without first and foremost addressing climate engineering operations. For the record, in Syria, 2 million rural people have been displaced and 12 million people, 60% of the population, are reportedly experiencing food insecurity, aka they're starving. Almost every province of Iran has been severely affected by the droughts and poor harvests, which have caused spikes in food prices. That's how you covertly control societies anywhere in the world, for the record. In the words of former U.S. President Lyndon Johnson, he who controls the weather controls the world, shown on film at the start of every one of these broadcasts. Final excerpt from this report. The researchers said it was vital to plan for more frequent droughts in the future. Yes, there you have it. Plan for devastating drought if you live in a country with oil reserves or any other resources that the empire wants. Again, climate engineering is a key covert method to destabilize populations and thus their governments, making said countries far easier to manipulate, far easier to confiscate their resources by force, cut off their rain, and devastate their food supplies. That's how it works. Am I saying that there wouldn't be climate disasters without climate engineering? No, absolutely not saying that. I've never said that. But what I'm saying is when we can see specific regions targeted so consistently, and we can see these operations on satellite imagery, we cannot say that without these operations that that disaster wouldn't have happened. We know that they're related because, again, all that I just outlined. We can see it happening on satellite imagery. But in regard to the overall collapse of the climate, there are many, many causes. It's not a this or that equation. Every form of human activity that disrupts the energy balance of the planet is a part of the problem. But when you intentionally intervene in the climate system for methods of warfare, you are so radically exacerbating an already bad situation that literally life on Earth is held in the balance near-term balance. For the record, the former leader of Iran, Ahmadinejad, has stated on the floor of the UN, on film and on the record, that NATO climate intervention operations were cutting off their reign, weather warfare. And now, as the UK Guardian has just stated on the record, Syria and Iraq are experiencing exactly the same. Should that come as any surprise? I think not. How many remember the list of resource-rich Middle Eastern countries that were targeted immediately after the events of 9-11? How many know that subsequently every one of those countries descended into a once-in-a-thousand-year drought? Just another coincidence? You decide. And also for the record, the laws of physics clearly state that the atmosphere holds 7% more moisture for every degree C of warming based on unfiltered frontline data from countless locations, we've already exceeded three and a half degrees of warming above pre-industrial baseline temperatures. Translation, 
There must be more overall precipitation on a rapidly warming world, not less. And even more glaring is the fact that the most targeted countries for protracted drought are always countries that have the resources the military-industrial complex empire needs to keep its juggernaut of destruction fueled. Moving on, what current core conflict zone has extensive untapped hydrocarbon reserves, aka oil and gas? Consider, this report headline is from the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development, the unrealized potential of Palestinian oil and gas reserves. The United Nations report then states, quote, geologists and resource economists have confirmed that the occupied Palestinian territory lies above sizable reservoirs of oil and natural gas wealth in Area C of the West Bank and the Mediterranean coast off the Gaza Strip. Next, an intriguing headline from Finbold.com. Listen carefully. Members of Congress bought war stocks ahead of Hamas attack on Israel. That's interesting, isn't it? Question, is there much, much more to what's taking place in the Middle East than what Matrix Media is telling us? So much more than the mind-numbing, simplistic mantra that, quote, we're good and they're bad. Does that question even deserve an answer? And through all the orchestrated wars, collapsing ecosystems, collapsing food supplies, collapsing societies, there is the scripted U.S. election circus of mass distraction. So many completely caught up in the stupidity every time. And all of it meaningless. You're listening to the weekly installment of the commercial-free, non-political global alert news hour, The End of the World as We Know It broadcast brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of global climate engineering operations, a.k.a weather warfare. Reaching a critical mass of awareness is the only way forward in this fight. We can, we must reach a critical mass by starting a conversation on climate engineering that leads people to a credible source of data. Geoengineeringwatch.org will continue all of our efforts to be the go-to source on covert climate engineering operations. Moving on from the hill.com, California scientists suggest a strategy to quote, eat our way out of the climate crisis. The report then states, commercializing the production of synthetic dietary fats could relieve pressure on a global agricultural sector that is struggling to decarbonize, a new study has found. This is so ludicrous. Follow me through with this. They continue, the widespread manufacture of farm-free food could yield numerous environmental and societal benefits, enabling people to, quote, eat our way out of an unfolding and accelerating climate crisis. This is according to the study authors who published their findings Monday in Nature Sustainability. The authors further said that they focused their attention on fats rather than carbohydrates or proteins as fats are, quote, the simplest nutrients to synthesize thermochemically. That doesn't sound very tasty, does it? The Hill Report continues with this. Doing so they, the authors, explained, would be comparable to the process that underlie large-scale soap making and polymer chemistry. Nonetheless, the Science Report authors acknowledged that people might be wary of accepting food that was generated in this manner. I wonder why. They say one solution to this issue would be to primarily use synthetic fats in processed foods. The so-called scientists then say this, 
people may be less concerned about what kind of fat is in a store-bought cookie or pie crust because they, the population, didn't know what was in there in the first place. Well, there you have it. This entire report, this entire mentality is the epitome of the driving force behind our now mathematically almost certain near-term self-extermination, literally. Continuing on the same theme, insanity and self-annihilating stupidity. This headline, Overcoming the Climate Crisis with Trade-Based Strategies, from that report, economic growth, they say, is still possible. The report says, due to changes in temperature leading to new shipping routes. Let's take a moment to consider how clueless this headline and report conclusions actually are. Shipping routes that can and are now crossing the Arctic even in winter due to the rapidly melting ice isn't a good thing. It's nothing more than a momentary perceived benefit by disaster capitalists while the planet as a whole hurdles toward total collapse. The cryosphere, aka the planet's ice deposits, are melting down in the geologic blink of an eye. We're already in a runaway climate collapse scenario, climate engineering further fueling the fire while simultaneously compounding the complete contamination of the planet. On that note, new from the UK Guardian, US faces almost daily hazardous chemical accidents exposing people to dangerous toxins through fires, explosions, leaks, and spills. And it's not just the US. The insanity just described has become the norm all over the world. And what's occurring above smoke canopies of forest fires and very possibly the types of accidents just described? We see blanket aerosol spraying. Why are they doing that directly on top of the smoke canopies? And none of that contamination is reported. None. But it's there. Bet on it. Another case in point, also from The Guardian, these levels are crazy. That's the report headline. It then continues, Louisiana tap water sees huge spike in toxic chemicals. Again, for the record, this headline is the proverbial tip of the iceberg for toxic tap water pollution. From SciTech Daily, this, bloodthirsty ticks invade Ohio. A lethal infestation decimates cattle. Trying to cover as many headlines as I can. You can look these up and read the rest of this article, but I want to at least put it on everyone's radar about the headline I just read about the bloodthirsty ticks that are decimating cattle. This question, how many are aware of the military-industrial complex experimentation with insects as a form of covert biological warfare? Do some honest investigation, and trust me, you will not like what you learn. On the same theme, plastic waste in rivers may carry dangerous microbes. And let's not forget the flesh-eating bacteria lurking in the Gulf of Mexico waters. And about our increasingly toxic air, and while I cover the next few alarming headlines, consider this, there are no air quality laws or required disclosures in regard to climate engineering operations, not even in states like California where the most stringent air quality testing is believed to exist and where most believe the air quality is strictly monitored. And that's a conclusion that couldn't be further from the truth. I've presented climate engineering data to CARB, that's the California Air Resources Board, in a public forum that also included a room full of farmers. At this public meeting with the entire CARB board, I asked them, is CARB in any way monitoring atmospheric particulate pollution from weather modification or climate engineering operations? Their answer, no. 
They said that isn't in our jurisdiction, thus it isn't our concern. A high-ranking California EPA official in a face-to-face meeting I had with him at the California State Capitol in Sacramento told me to my face, quote, we don't care if the rain is radioactive. We don't test for that. We're told to test for specific combustion particulates only. The rest of the samples go out the window. Literally what I was told. And before I cover the following headlines, also remember and consider this. Most so-called air quality monitoring tests for PM10, that's 10 microns. A select few monitor down to PM2.5. Nanoparticles, by far the most harmful size of air pollutants of any element, and also what is utilized in climate engineering operations, are not monitored in any way. You can't find what you're not looking for, can you? With all that in mind, from the age .au.com thunderstorm asthma alert issued for much of Victoria after hundreds sent to hospital. The report then states, quote, go inside, close your windows and doors until the storm has passed and turn off air conditionings or anything that brings outdoor air in. Stop and think about this scenario. So-called thunderstorm asthma forcing many to flee to emergency rooms. And the warning from officials is to barricade yourself inside your home, sealing up any outside ventilation if you want to avoid extreme breathing difficulties and a potential trip to the emergency room. Here's more puzzle pieces. First, let's rewind to 2016 for this science study report title from bmj.com. Hospitals overwhelmed with patients after, quote, thunderstorm asthma. Now fast forward to 2021. This is a report from LiveScience.com. Scientists probe mystery of, quote, thunderstorm asthma event that sent thousands, in that case, to the emergency room. Yet again, the so-called scientists are clueless, though they often cobble together some sort of yarn to explain away what they refuse to tell the truth about, which would be a bad career decision for them. Climate engineering operations are saturating our breathable air column with who knows how many various forms of climate engineering elements. Convective storms, like thunder showers, thunderstorms, are commonly targeted by weather makers with chemical ice-nucleating cloud seeding operations, thus the ever more frequent extreme hailstorms and flash cooldowns on the surface, or snowstorms hours after 80 degree temperatures. That's not nature. That's climate engineering. So, minus the engineered winter weather warfare, how hot is it? From CNN, humanity just lived through the hottest 12 months in at least 125,000 years. They continue, two major reports published this week paint an alarming picture of this unprecedented heat. Humanity has just lived through the hottest 12-month period in at least, based on paleo data, 125,000 years. That's according to one report, while the other declared that 2023 is virtually certain to be the hottest year in recorded history after five consecutive months of record obliterating temperatures. That's right from the report. Follow me through with this because I know many are rolling their eyebrows and saying we don't know what happened 125 years ago, and that's true to a point, but there are indicators that we are in totally uncharted territory. From Reuters, this year virtually certain to be the warmest in 125,000 years, EU scientists say. Reports says European Union scientists made the announcement on Wednesday after data showed last month was the world's hottest period during that same span of time. And again, 
I fully realize the first thing many will say is that there's no way the so-called climate science community can determine this because we have only been keeping records for a tiny fraction of that time, all of which is true. But again, paleo data does send a very clear message. When ecosystems that have existed for an unimaginably long span of time are completely collapsing and often incinerating, or in the case of the seas, superheating, the gravity of the looming existential threat which industrialized, militarized so-called society has delivered to our doorstep should be clear. Short of a complete course correction by our species, our days are numbered. And in regard to those heating oceans, I've said this many times, I want people to remember it, that a cubic meter of seawater can contain 4,000 times the energy, heat energy, of a cubic meter of air. When the oceans are superheating, we are truly in a dark place, in a very dark corner, because that heat has been absorbed from the atmosphere into the oceans, and now it's going to be released at blinding speed. On that note, here's more confirmation of what Geoengineering Watch has stated on the record for nearly a decade and a half, that the condition of Earth's collapsing life support systems isn't as bad as we've been officially told. It's exponentially worse than anything we've been told. In support of all that I stated, this new headline for a very detailed source report titled, Some Very Bad Breaking Climate News. From this report, every plan or project by any government agency, business, financial institution, defense department, or construction firm that was in any way depending upon the reliability of the grossly underestimated IPCC climate change summary reports is now in trouble. The IPCC, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, largest scientific panel ever assembled on any subject in human history. Bottom line, this report states, you have considerably less time than you previously believed to prepare and adapt to the next wave of intensifying climate change consequences. And that's not even taking into account the climate intervention operations that are wreaking even more havoc on an already badly broken system. So if biosphere collapse is in fact this bad, is the human race going to finally attempt to put in the brakes? Absolutely not. Full throttle. That's the mantra of the matrix controllers. Here's a new headline, case in point, from CBC Canada. Despite climate pledges, Canada and other fossil fuel producers, carbon fuel producers, set to scale up production. Let's add this from UK Guardian. Quote, insanity. Petrostates planning huge expansion of carbon fuels, says UN report. That's it. Pedal to the metal till the moment of impact at full velocity. Welcome to the Planetary Asylum. On that note, more madness. The upcoming COP28 Global Climate Conference to be hosted in Dubai by a big oil executive. What's wrong with this picture? We have probably the most unsustainable city on planet Earth built in the middle of a desert, destroying the ecosystem around them, what little there was, to host a climate conference being run by an oil executive. And what do they do behind the scenes at these conferences? All of them push climate engineering as a way to keep business as usual until the last hour. That's what they're doing. Here's a headline from Global Finance Magazine. A climate change conference made in Dubai. Same theme. The report then states this, quote, It's like a big tobacco CEO hosting a cancer conference. 
Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. From the UK Guardian, everything is parched. Amazon struggles with drought amid deforestation. Amazon's done. Great Barrier Reef is done. The planet is done, short of some unexpected awakening by enough of the human race. And frankly, it doesn't seem likely. By now, the rivers should be full, the report says, but large-scale cattle farming, the climate crisis, and weather events like El Nino mean Brazil is near the point of no return. And let's be clear, no mention of climate engineering. Of course, it's a given that the Guardian report makes no mention of the single greatest climate-disrupting factor of all, global climate engineering operations. With that in mind, the Guardian report states this, the rains refuse to come, and with every day that passes, the sense of foreboding grows stronger single greatest drought-causing factor on the planet, period, is climate intervention operations for many, many reasons. The climate science community acknowledges that if they climate engineered, as if they haven't been for 75 years, that massive protracted droughts would be one of the major consequences of these operations. But obviously that's here and now, after 75 years of these covert operations that the so-called climate science community refuses to admit to. Also from The Guardian, floods hit Somalia after worst drought in four decades, and this is what we see all over the globe. Record drought followed by record deluge over and over and over. Drought deluge, the hallmark of climate engineering operations. From many sources, a tornado rips through Bulgaria. Anyone ever heard of that before? For Scientific American, Earth reacts to greenhouse gases more strongly than we thought. Again, that's from Scientific American. Yes, just one more example of it's way worse than we thought. From the so-called climate science community that's still clinging to their criminal denial of climate engineering. How many times on this broadcast and over the last decade and a half of geoengineeringwatch.org and for almost a decade before that, I've stated on the record again and again and again. It's not as bad as we're being told. It's exponentially worse than we're being told. And now that that fact can't be hidden any longer, we see a precious few starting to hint at that fact. Let's hope they find their backbone and stand up, band together, and tell the whole truth while it can still make a difference. From news.un.org, aka the United Nations news source, this, tipping points of risk pose new threats, UN report warns. They say tipping points are reached when the systems we rely on stop functioning as designed, amplifying the risk of catastrophic impacts according to new research published by the United Nations University and the Institute for Environmental Human Security. They say, with these risk tipping points, it is as though we are approaching a cliff that we cannot see clearly ahead of us, and once we fall off the cliff, we can't easily go back. Can't easily go back. No, that's incorrect. We can't go back. Period. And worse, the point of no return is in the rearview mirror. And to those that still refuse to believe it is this bad, you will, soon, and you can quote me on that, and all the tech matrix manipulators can muster, aka climate intervention operations, the attempts to mask the true severity and immediacy of planetary meltdown while simultaneously using weather as a covert weapon is only further fueling our common demise on top of countless other forms of biosphere destroying human activities like war, like incinerating 100 million barrels of hydrocarbon fuel a day, like burning 23 million tons of coal a day, like clear-cutting forests, poisoning the seas, and paving the planet. What could go wrong? We're all about to find out the hard way. 
From the Weather Channel, broken record. Earth just had warmest October ever. Five consecutive months of record-breaking heat. And I believe that puts us at 535 consecutive months of above-normal temperatures. Where's the ice age that so many, even on alt media, keep claiming is unfolding? Where is it? It just gets worse every month. It's time for people to clear the lens, correct the record, and help to expose what's really going on before it's too late. And we are perilously close to that point on, on countless fronts. I'm simply asking for an honest assessment of data. And this doesn't mean I agree with Al Gore or AOC or any of the other so-called environmental organizations that are all the epitome of hypocrisy. But the bottom line is, if Al Gore said it was daytime, and it was, should I take the position that it's night if it's not? That doesn't make any sense, does it? Al Gore did exactly what the power structure wanted him to do. Make people hate you so much that they, without conscious thought, take the opposite position of whatever you say, Mr. Gore. Good job. From the post.co.nz, exceptional heat demolishes national records for November. From this report, November opened with a slew of heat records from North Africa to East Asia as abnormal warmth swelled over the Eastern Hemisphere. Over 900 locations in China recorded their highest November temperatures on record. The most extreme event in Chinese climatic history. The focus of the heat moved to Japan where more than a third of the country, over 300 stations, established November high temperature records, including a nighttime low as warm as 30 degrees C. That is absolutely insane in Japan in November. It's not cooling off at night because the planet has a thickening atmosphere. And when you thicken the blanket, it gets warmer. And climate engineering is a part of that process, deflecting some daytime heat but trapping even more of it at night, destroying the planet's life support systems in the process, obviously further fueling the warming, as I've stated relentlessly for how many years. The report says many more records look set to fall over the next week. Underneath these heat domes, the report says, sunshine is abundant and clouds and precipitation are scarce, a recipe for warmth. As the warm air dries out the land surface, it heats up faster in a vicious self-reinforcing cycle. About 50 of those cycles already triggered on the planet. We're in a runaway event right now. And the high-pressure heat domes, exactly what is produced by an ionosphere heater facility like HARP. They then say studies have shown that these heat domes are becoming larger and more frequent and intense because of human-caused climate change. Again, no mention of HARP. And how much are they cranking up HARP in the last week as we have all the publicity about the aurora borealis that's being caused by what they're doing to the atmosphere, treating it like a physics lab with no comprehension or consideration of the consequences. But wait, how can there be record heat throughout most of China when there's simultaneously a headline like this from CNN. China's northeast hit by unseasonable blizzard as heavy snow causes mass disruption. Welcome to the world of winter weather warfare. Please don't believe me. Search Chinese scientists create snowstorm. You'll find coverage in past events from almost all mainstream media sources. Please search the engineering winter section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to learn much more than most want to know. And what about this new headline from ZeroHedge.com? Here's the headline. Quote, Another inconvenient truth. Northern Hemisphere snow cover nears 57-year high. And about the headline itself, that was just a quote from a meteorologist named Joe Bastardi. 
so there you have it. If Joe says so, it must be the truth, right? Not so much. Please stick with me through this broadcast and the extremely dire information that will be covered and then actually investigate that information. I'm not asking anyone to blindly believe any data I cover. Again, I'm asking for honest and objective follow-up investigation. Next, also from ZeroHedge.com, which does post much important information in spite of this source's constant claims that there isn't anything wrong with the climate and denial of the near-term existential threat also of climate engineering. I'll hope that this source reassesses their reality on these subjects. Planet's in total meltdown. There will be no, there already shouldn't be any rational denial of that for anybody who looks at data from around the world, but soon it will be beyond bleak. Back to the headline, here it is. Time for a generator? Question mark. New warning says half of U.S. at risk of grid down this winter. The 2023-2024 Winter Reliability Assessment, that's called the WRA report by the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, warns of a heightened risk of, quote, insufficient energy supply during extreme cold spells, they say. This concern extends over a large swath of U.S. and Canada power grids affecting approximately 180 million people. Those living in the highlighted regions should consider securing backup power generation sources. That'll be good for the GDP for at least a month or two until everything collapses. They say power grid operators from Texas to New England are, quote, at risk of insufficient electrical supplies during peak winter conditions. Yeah, like Texas when it was zero degrees in Dallas while it was 85 degrees at the approximate same latitude in Florida and water off the record warm Gulf of Mexico somehow made it this cold. It was 33 degrees warmer during that period at the North Pole than it was at Texas. Does that make any sense at all? It does if you consider climate engineering operations and chemical ice nucleating cloud seeding makes all the sense in the world. According to Bloomberg, this year's WRA report, the one I just mentioned, is even more dire than last year's report, which said a quarter of Americans were at risk of cold weather power emergencies. It includes, for the first time, some of the most densely populated areas in the Northeast. And that's where so much of these engineered cooldowns take place, the most populated portions of the U.S. to keep the population confused and divided as to the true state and immediacy of planetary meltdown. The Washington Post paralleled the headline, Nation at Risk of Winter Blackouts as Power Grid Remains Under Strain. Bottom line, patented processes of chemical ice nucleation cloud seeding operations are a primary tool of the weather makers, a.k.a. engineering winter weather. Why is geoengineeringwatch.org the only source that is trying to expose this, chemically altering what should have been and what would have been a rain event in so many cases into a frozen material event? And there can be various forms of this frozen material depending on conditions and the elements being seeded. Anything from frozen pellets, now called grapple, to large hail, to cotton ball-looking so-called snowflakes. Again, the materials being used to carry out the chemical ice nucleating cloud seeding operations are toxic. It is slowly but surely killing soil microbiome. And these elements are highly detrimental to the root systems of flora, including crops and trees. More on that subject in a moment. You're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News, the bad news broadcast, installment number 431, November 11th, 2023. This is Dane Wigington, your host. Global Alert News is brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of climate intervention operations known as geoengineering. The commercial-free, non-political Global Alert News Hour is broadcast on AM and FM stations throughout the country. All recent recordings of this broadcast can be found on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org under the recent column. 
I'm skipping the rest of the usual announcement. Too many headlines to cover. Not enough time for the on-air broadcast. On that note, moving on. Back to the climate engineering fallout impacts on forests and about the sheer quantities of this fallout. Stop and consider the amount of sprayed atmospheric filth that it takes to blot out the entire formerly blue skyline and all of it falling to the surface where we get to inhale it with every single breath we take. From phys.org, this climate change, they say, is turning swaths of California's mountains into, quote, zombie forests. Reports says the findings indicate that these lower elevation Sierra conifer forests, which include ponderosa pine, sugar pine, and Douglas fir, exactly what's in my backyard surrounding me, literally 2,000 square miles of it, are no longer able to successfully reproduce. How long have I said that on this broadcast? The saplings that I was once able to plant, 250 to 300 a day, with a 95% success rate, that means 95% make it through the first year. Now none make it through the first year. None. This report continues, conditions have become too warm and dry to support conifer saplings, exactly what I just said, whose shallow roots require plenty of water, and if they're able to survive into adulthood, they need this water. Wait, we're officially being told the drought's over in California, so how come the trees aren't thriving everywhere? because the UV's frying them, the soil's completely contaminated, there's no soil microbiome, and soil with no microbiome is dirt. It's not soil. Ongoing conversations about what the forests of the future will look like, climate is just one driver of change affecting these ecosystems. The article then says, more than a century ago, colonizers outlawed cultural bans by indigenous groups and adapted aggressive fire suppression policies that manage swaths of the region for timber. These practices deprive the Sierra Forest of the regular low-intensity fire. This is not why. Okay, I'm sick of this narrative, absolutely sick of it, that the forests are burning because we're just not causing enough burns on our own or cutting the trees down. This is all complete propaganda nonsense. And yes, clearing a disrupted understory is a good thing. And you know what disrupts that understory the most? In fact, the only thing that really does to this degree is irresponsible logging. And I'm speaking from first-hand experience. I've run six large habitat restoration projects, three state, three federal. I ran the entire projects from start to finish. My dad was an arborist. This is what I did. I've been around trees my entire life. I love trees. And this whole narrative is absolutely wrong. When we look at Siberia, we have studies for a 10-year period, 2005 to 2015, forests that have never been touched by human hands and the burn rate increased 1,000%. What happened? Again, chemicalized nucleation elements contaminate everything, including forests and soils and root systems. As I've stated so many times in this broadcast, so many forests and so many regions aren't coming back. Moving on, the climate engineers can and are also manipulating wind speeds, and there are many agendas and objectives for doing so. One primary objective is to enhance the endothermic or energy-absorbing reaction of the chemical ice nucleation elements. With that in mind, from bhys.org, damaging thunderstorm winds rising in central U.S., research finds five-fold increase. Stop and think about that. A 500% increase in damaging winds That's off the scale. More puzzle pieces from AccuWeather. Weather whiplash, that's the report headline, second snowfall of season to target Denver. The report says an abrupt change in the weather is coming. Another helping of snow following temperatures well above average earlier in the week. The quick hitting snow and chill will follow three days in a row with high temperatures well into the 70s. About 80, actually. About 15 to 20 degrees Fahrenheit above the historical average. After the flash snowstorm, temperatures are forecasted to again recover to about 60. 
Denver's a common target for this type of operation because it sits in a basin and the chemically nucleated cloud moisture creates a heavy dense layer of air that just sinks to the surface. Just like the freezer in your market, it has no top on it, but everything stays frozen because that cold dense air sits in that basin. Same thing in Denver. Another from AccuWeather, mix of snow and ice in parts of the Northeast to threaten slick travel. They say a wave of colder air will set the stage for potentially disruptive wintry weather across the interior parts of the region. A quote, sneaky wave, that's their words, not mine, of cold air will be just enough to set the stage for snow, sleet, freezing rain, again, all the different types of frozen material depending on what they're seeding and the conditions, for portions of New England and upstate New York. And about the slick travel, let's not forget, surfactants, part of the seeding mix, surfactants are what makes soap, soap, that's why everything is so incredibly slick. And about the freezing rain, which you always have now, because often these materials hit the surface before they set up and freeze, and we have the whole of the so-called meteorological community lying through their teeth about what's really happening, what's really causing this. On Wednesday of this week, while it was 60 degrees in Chicago, further up the shores of Lake Michigan, it was only in the 30s. That's not nature. It's climate engineering. How many have taken notice of the dirty white featureless skies in the background of so many scenes on TV, everything? Far too many are completely oblivious of this. Question, are chemical ice nucleation cloud seeding operations contributing to extreme ground fog scenarios? The following headline is a puzzle piece. One more from AccuWeather. Deadly crash along I-10 in New Orleans East Coast occurred amid, quote, super fog. Super fog. And when there are no winter weather whiplash engineered cooldowns, what happens? From Nature.com, this new science study. Exponential increases in high temperature extremes in North America. So exponential. That's so few understand the exponential equation. Our situation is as non-linear as it could possibly be. I had hoped to cover many more breaking headlines, but there's just too many for the 55-minute on-air radio time slot. Bottom line, it doesn't look good, to say the least. What's wrong with our species, taken as a whole? Are we completely insane? The age of humans is about to come to an extremely abrupt and horrific end, and almost none even see it coming? Consider this report title from Psychology Today, Human Mind. Subtitle, Is Insanity Our Normal State? Question mark. Do we all suffer from a psychological disorder? Question mark. Since European people began exploring and colonizing the world in the 16th century, they've curiously observed indigenous peoples and written accounts of their cultures. Modern anthropologists still frequently travel to remote corners of the world to observe and document tribes who haven't yet been touched by globalization and still follow traditional lifestyles. But what about the other way around? What have indigenous people observed of the developed people who have studied them and whose culture has conquered theirs? Or to put it more abstractly, if a member of a remote tribe wrote an anthropological study of us, what would they say? In 1932, psychologist Carl Jung met a Native American, Chief Mountain Lake, in New Mexico. And when Jung asked him what he thought of the European people who had conquered his country, the Indian gave a damning assessment. The whites always want something. They're always uneasy and restless. We do not know what they want, he said. We do not understand them. We think they are all mad. Other indigenous people have shared Mountain Lake's assessment. Many believe that the Europeans' lust for possessions was a kind of madness. As the Sioux chief Sitting Bull said, the love of possession is a disease with them. They claim this mother of ours, the earth, for their own and fence their neighbors away. In summary, the indigenous 
were shocked justifiably by the Europeans' lack of connection to and lack of reverence for nature. As one of the most acute observers of the differences between the European and Indian worldviews, Chief Luther Standing Bear wrote, Indian faith sought the harmony of man with his surroundings. For the Indian, the world was full of beauty. For the white man, he said, it was a place of ugliness to be endured, looted, plundered, pillaged, and polluted, my words, until he went to another world. In other words, indigenous peoples seem to think that there is something wrong with us, even that we are mad. An indigenous anthropologist who studied our history would find a massive amount of further evidence for this. Thousands of years of constant warfare, massive inequalities of wealth and power, the brutal oppression of women and other classes and castes, endless brutality, violence, greed, and then, in recent decades, the suicidal destruction of our planet's life support systems, the most arrogant and glaring form of which is the shockingly obvious climate engineering operations raging in our formerly blue skies. There are also, again, the massive inequalities which blight the world today, where the three richest people in the world are wealthier than the 48 poorest countries combined. Why do we suffer from the constant restlessness and unease which the Native American mountain lake spoke of? The Native Americans called this condition of constant restlessness and unease, wetico. Definition. A contagious psycho-spiritual disease of the soul, a parasite of the mind that is currently being acted out in mass on the world stage via a collective psychosis of titanic proportions. This mind virus, which Native Americans have called wetigo, covertly operates through the unconscious blind spots in the human psyche, rendering people oblivious to their own madness and compelling them to act against their own best interest in an endless quest for more. The unease is so normal to us that we don't realize it's there, like a background noise that you are so used to you don't hear it anymore. But this condition can carry extreme consequences. It means that all too often, for all too many, we end up keeping our attention focused outside ourselves and fill our lives with constant activity and distraction, like addicts who need a constant supply of a drug. It makes it impossible for us to find contentment. In first world nations, like America, we're taught, trained, and programmed from birth to search for well-being and fulfillment outside ourselves in wealth, success, and power. And because of this constant quest and because of the resources necessary to fulfill it, the quote American dream, war, oppression, and brutality has resulted all too often under the guise of spreading quote freedom and democracy. Far too many willingly embrace the lie because the lie is necessary in order for them to continue in the paradigm that I've already described. Industrialized, militarized, so-called society, which was doomed from the beginning, it was never sustainable, and which is already well into the final chapter of complete collapse. The question that remains is this, will anyone survive what's coming? Or more clearly, will anything survive what's coming? And no one wants to hear this. I fully realize that. And I don't want to say it. But it needs to be said. It needs to be heard. It needs to be understood because short of this, we have no chance. None. Check the activist suggestions link on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org for specific instructions on how you can help to move this fight forward. Always remember, no one can take our will. Ever. Until next week, this is Dane Wigington from geoengineeringwatch.org.